Welcome to the podcast of New Creation Christian Center, the path to genuine life where you can come as you are and be transformed by the Word of God. My name is Pastor Marquise, and we are a non-denominational church led by the living and active Word of God in the heart of Seattle, Washington, by Pastors Harold and Annis Faye Franklin. Whether this is your first time, second time, be sure to subscribe and share this with those that need it. Now join me and be ready to live and learn from the Word of God. All right, give him a hand as he comes. Somebody say hallelujah. This is the day that the Lord has made and we will what? Rejoice and be glad. Amen. We're going to go ahead and pray and get into this message of who God wants us to be as a church. Amen. Heavenly Father, I just thank you to God for everyone under the sound of my voice, dear God, that is here. Dear God, I thank you, dear God, that you are able to allow this message to not only be heard, but to be applied in their life, oh God. Help us as believers, oh God. Help us as the church to operate in the the things that you want us to operate, dear God, in excellence. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Dear God, we pray, dear God, that we will begin to see our ministry implement these things, dear God, so that we can impact this neighborhood, this city, and uh, this this state, in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody says, "Amen." Amen. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna start off. I talked about who does God want us to be, but now after we got that, after we got that, we got it in our minds. We understand who God wants us to be. We come together and find out who does God want our church to be. Amen. Pastor Harold had had started preaching on the vision of the church, just revisiting the vision of the church. And some of the things I talked about was last week was we must love. Somebody say love. The, the, uh, well, actually, I didn't talk about that. I'm going to talk about that later. No, I did talk about that. Also, Romans, we talked about a lot of people think they may not have to join a church, but a church is necessary because if you actually look at the scriptures, Somebody say the scriptures. Every letter that Paul wrote, which was called an epistle, he wrote it to the church. He wrote it to people of the church. He wrote it to people that were in the body of Christ. Last week, we also talked about edifying, and I'm going to break down the edifying meaning. Edifying means to instruct or improve. Somebody say instruct or improve. Someone morally or intellectually. Some synonyms of that are to educate, instruct, which they said in the definition, teach, school, tutor, train, or guide. And I think it's important that when we think about edifying one another, we are instructing, we are teaching one another. When we come together, the Bible talks about iron sharpens iron. That means when two of the same kind of people get together, they get smarter. I've been reading Proverbs with the men in a Bible study, and we've been talking about, um, we've just been seeing how the wise man, if they're with other wise people, they grow wiser. The foolish person, he can be amongst wise people, and like I said before, if he doesn't say anything, everybody thinks he's wise, right? But if he stays in that company and he learns he will become wise. Now, the Bible says a fool, he'll be around that company and he, he won't listen to instruction. He rejects it. 
So it is our job as the body not to reject edification, but to embrace it. Amen. Um, I, I read Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 last week. We're going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this week, and we get to see the gifts. And it's funny because I had this in my notes, and dad, my dad started preaching on the same thing. I was like, oh, there we go. He's all in my notes. Man. But let's read this chapter. It is 28 verses. But I'm going to read it and I'm going to break it down as I go. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. It's funny how Paul talks sometimes. That stupid thing over there, you were following that. Anyway, it says, therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Somebody say the same Spirit. See, a lot of people have gifts in today. They have gifts, but they don't have the same Spirit. What does that mean? Their gift is for themselves. Now, if I got a gift and all I care about is me, 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 taking care of me, myself, and I, this is all about me. It ain't about anybody else. That's not having the spirit that this is talking about because it has the same spirit and it's capitalized and we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 5. It says also, there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. Now see, there's a lot of people that have ministries today, but if they are not functioning and saying, okay, we serve the same God, they're not with the same spirit, they're not with the same Lord. They've become a Lord, right? So it's very important that we understand us as a church that there's going to be different gifts that we have and different ministries that we have, but they should be a collective thing. Amen? If it does, and I'm, we're going to keep on going. It says, and there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. Amen? But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of themselves. Is that what it says? The profit of all. Okay? This is very important because in today's church age, we have people that will walk around and call themselves prophets, bishops, ministers, whatever the title they can grab, but it's for them. If I'm a prophet and I don't ever prophesy to help somebody unless they pay me, which is what some do sometimes, and I'm not saying everybody is like that, but if it's not profiting anybody but me, then I'm not with the gifts that God has given us. It's very important. As a pastor, I can't just run around and say, hey, yeah, I'm a pastor. And when somebody needs prayer, oh, you better, you better call the TV pastor or you better call somebody else because I can't pray for you right now. I'm in a hurry. That's not what the gift is for. That's not what the ministry is for. We always have to remember that the ministry is not for our personal gain, but it is for the mutual gain of the body of Christ. And this prophet, it says, for all is, is, is not just our church. We are in the body of Christ. Jesus is not coming back for 250,000 different denominations. He's coming for, back for one church. 
When you read the scriptures talk about he, he's, he's in love with the church, it doesn't say he's in love with the Episcopal, the Baptist. The, he, he's in love with one church. Now, there, there is different versions of churches, but as long as we hold true to the scripture, you'll be all right. So I'm not bad-mouthing any of those denominations at all, but we always have to remember it is the whole body of Christ that we are. That's what the church is, the body of Christ. Verse 8 says, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and then it says to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit. And, and my dad, once again, he talked about this a couple weeks ago. To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretations of tongues, but one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So it's also important, this, this is an important in, ingredient for a flourishing church. It's, it's, this is very important because we have to remember to make sure we are operating in these things that God has given us. If we're not operating in any of these things, we might not be the church that God wants us to be. It talked about word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, and um, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. We have to find out where do we fit at? What is our spiritual gift? Amen? And who God wants us to be we have to find out what gift has God given us, amen? Because when we find that out, you it's like this. These are pieces to the puzzle. And I had to do a, um, I had to do a, uh, when I was working for a youth group as a youth minister through World Vision, this was a, I had to make a puzzle like this that said these were the gifts and I had to br bring a puzzle. Now, when we did the puzzle, I left one piece out. And nobody likes a puzzle that just got one piece missing. Why? Because it's not finished. We don't want to have a life that we, we thought we did everything and then there's one thing missing. And when you get there, it's like, oh, man, I could have I got 100%. Like, we don't settle for things like that. But in the ministry, some of us, we get comfortable. We don't do anything. We don't know our gifts in God, and, 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 and as, since I'm talking about that, how do we find out the gifts that God has given us? We find out by seeking God's face. Not only that, by being obedient when he talks to you and tells you to do something. Many times, and, and this is the great thing about God, it says the Spirit will give to whomever how he pleases. In verse 11, there was times when we started doing the... Um, when we were downtown Seattle a lot, and, I, and we would just start praying for people, and God would give me words of wisdom or words of knowledge. And I, some of it, I didn't know these people at all, but God was able to tell me these things about them. And as we started moving forward in God, he started allowing more and more things like this to happen in our life. Amen. So how do you find out your gift? You find out by spending time with God. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and just, just start studying those things. 
studying, okay, what is a word of wisdom? What is a word of knowledge? Because all of us that have the Spirit of God have these gifts, and we must begin to operate in them. Amen? Because this is part of who God wants us to be as a church. Okay? Verse 12 and chapter 12, it says, For as the body is one and has many members, right? But all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greek, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. What is this saying? There's many people, there's many, like I said earlier, many denominations, many different things, but we must remember that we are one body. And not only are we one body, but we are many. So you see both sides. It talks about, okay, this is one body, but there's a lot. So what is it saying after that? It says in verse 15, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And then it says, and if an ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And then it says, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the healing? Or, I'm sorry, hearing. The hearing would need some healing, amen? It says, if the whole were hearing, where would the smelling? But now God has set the members, somebody say members. Each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. I like how God does a lot of things, man. A lot of times he, he, say, he says the thing that you think is the weakest is actually the strongest part. Some people would think that the pastor is always the strongest part, but if a pastor <laughs> uh, has no people there, he's not that strong. So you feed off of both. Uh, Michael, Michael Jr., a Christian comedian, um, he, was, he was saying something. He was like, uh, uh, when you see a man walking down with a whole bunch of followers, you know he's a great leader. And then he said, what happens if you know how to get around by yourself? <laughs> you know, and I'm messing this joke up so you guys didn't laugh. <laughs> but anyway, just look at my Michael Jr. He's a real cool guy. He has something every Monday that I watch. Um, anyway, what verse was I at? Uh, verse 23, it says, And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow great honor, and, on, on, and, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. Now, that's key right there. We should always treat people with respect in the body of Christ. Now, I know sometimes we get, oh, man, that person looks funny. Oh, that person smells funny. Oh, that person da-da-da-da. We still have an obligation to make sure 
that we are taking care of them like we want people to take care of us. That's always been part of the body. The, body, the Bible always talks about loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. Now, just because you have a ministry doesn't mean that you stop doing that. Now, also, that doesn't mean you do everything, um, and I want to make sure I say this right. That doesn't mean you, you allow everybody to just, let's say if I have somebody that's been faithful in just coming to church and I want them to be in ministry, and then somebody else comes in uh, that we don't know, that we haven't tested, which is part of what uh, the leaders are supposed to do. We don't just say, okay, you guys all get the same treatment. Hey, you can be head of this and you can be head. That's not what I'm talking about. But it, when it comes to respecting people, we always got to make sure we do the same. If, we was, if, if the older uh, elders come in church and you're like, oh, praise God for you. How you doing? Okay, can we help you out? And then somebody else comes in and it's like you don't say hi to them. It's just like, oh, you can get it. You're young. You got, you know, and that's what some people do sometimes. But we have to make sure we are treating people in the body with honor. Amen? Verse 26 says, and if one member suffers... All the members suffer with it. Now, a lot of people don't look at the church like that, but even when somebody in the church falls, the whole body of Christ suffers with them. Now, people don't look at it like that, but how many people you know that, that say, I'm not going to church because that guy did this, and all, what do they say after that? All what? Christians are hypocrites. Why do they say that? Because one man or woman lived a life as the church in front of people, right? But they didn't act out and live out the word of God. So that is why when you see Christians in movies, 95% of the time they're hypocrites, right? Because they seen Leaders or even members, they seen how they are acting. That's why it's important for us not to, when, and when I say this, this is not a judgment to send them to hell, but this is a, a correction judgment. If, if we see people that come into this ministry and they are not living a lifestyle that is pleasing to God, it is our obligation to let them know, hey, you need to get your life in order. And not, not yelling at them, not, not get up on a pulpit and say, hey, you, you're going to hell unless you repent. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, hey, bring them to the side. Hey, man, I, I, there's been things going on in your life, and God just wanted to allow me to share this scripture with you, pray with you. Maybe I can help you get through. That's what our job is. We're supposed to help the weaker person because it says, and if one member suffers, all members suffer. Or if the member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Amen? It also says, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. Okay, so who appointed these? This is what we got to look at. It said God appointed these. We didn't make these things up. So it says... First, there are apostles, and I'm not going to go through what these are, all their job descriptions right now. It would be a great study for you to figure out what these are. 
But second, there are prophets. Third, there are teachers. After that, then it stopped listening to people because some people think about the fivefold ministry right here. This is, this is the other things that God put in place. Let's look at it. It says, after that, miracles, then gifts of healing, helps. Lord knows we need help. Amen. Administrations. Now, when you, got, when you go to school and you go to different places, administration is very important. Precious, you work at a, in the administration department of Swedish. Now, if everybody there decided not to do their job, Swedish would be missing a lot of money. Right? So, so even in the ministry, God appointed this to be part of the church. Then it also talks about varieties, varieties, I'm sorry, <laughs> of tongues. Then it says um, after that, are all apostles, are all prophets? No, is the answer. Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret it? But it says this. This is something that I really like about the scriptures. Go after it. This is what the scripture is saying. But earnestly desire the best gift, and yet I show you a more excellent way. So earnestly desire. What does that mean? That means like, man, I want a PlayStation 4, right? I would love to get a PlayStation 4 if you want to buy it for me. <laughs> hey, we can be friends. We can play online. Anyway, but what I'm trying to say is that's a desire of mine. And it might not be a strong desire right now because I have obligations, <laughs> right? I have to pay bills and all that other kind of stuff. But there's other things in life when it comes to getting a new house. That is an earnest desire of mine. I need another car so I can have another kid. That's an earnest desire of mine. Right? So we earnestly desire to have the gifts of God, all of them if possible, so that we can operate in the kingdom. But even if we do have all of these gifts, that doesn't mean we don't need anybody else. Right? Because there's going to be a time where you speak in tongues and you interpret, you might need somebody else to make sure that's the right thing. There's nothing worse than going in. Um, I remember I, I was young, and this lady, she was praying over me in Spanish. And I didn't know not a word of Spanish. I think, Michael, you were there too that, that day. But everybody was like, what the heck is she saying? Like, we need an interpreter. So when you speak in tongues, don't think people just know it. The Bible talks about people that speak in tongues. If there's no interpretation, keep that to yourself. That's what the Bible says. Now, imagine you come into church and I preach a whole sermon and speak in tongues, and then, then I pray and, and everybody goes home, right? You guys don't know anything I said unless the Spirit allows you to interpret it. And if you don't say it out loud, you still don't know what I said. I can speak in tongues super loud, but it's very important that we understand that there is a time for that, and also, there is, a, there is an order for that. God wants order for his ministry. Amen? God wants order for the church. He wants us to understand that each one of us that are living with the Spirit of God in us are important not only to this ministry here, but to the body of Christ. Amen? And it's very important that we do not get big-headed and think, hey, 
Even when the ministry begins to flourish, hey, I don't need that ministry down the street. That's the wrong attitude. We are not church banging. We are not block banging for God and be like, yeah, this is my block and you can move. We always have to remember that this is a joint thing that we are doing. Amen? I also read Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 last week. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And after uh, the chapter we in, we, we just skipped the 13. And uh, that was the love chapter. This is actually the prophecy in tongues that I was talking about just a second ago. And uh, I'm actually just going to skip down to verse 20. Because like I said, I just talked about tongues must be interpreted. interpreted. You can prophesy, you can have tongues, but tongues, somebody say tongues, must be interpreted. Verse 20, I'm going to start there, it says, Brethren, do not be children in understanding. So one thing that we can look at in this scripture already is God doesn't want us to be foolish in understanding. Right? However, in malice, be babes, but in understanding, be mature. In the law is written, with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people. And yet for all that, they will not hear me, says the Lord. Therefore, tongues are not a sign for, therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speaks in tongues, remember I just talked about this, and there come in those who are uninformed and unbelievers, will they not to say, you are out of your mind? And don't we have people that say that kind of stuff right now? If you speak in tongues, and they, it just says, I like how it says, they're uninformed, right? Or they're unbelievers. Now, see, it's interesting that it says that because some people think that if you don't speak in tongues, you're not a believer, right? But it says that they're probably part of the uninformed. You could be uninformed about the Spirit of God or you could be an unbeliever. But anyway, both of them will be like, man, you are out of your mind. What does it say after that? But if all prophesy and, um, and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all. He is convicted by all. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. This is why prophecy is important. Why? Because it says, and thus the secrets of his heart or her heart will be revealed and so they'll fall on their face and will worship God and report that God is truly among you. Has anybody ever prophesied over somebody that was not saved? Well, that's what we need to do. Because they will begin to know that God is God. Amen? That there is truly a God among you. That, this is part of why we have to operate in the spiritual gifts. Verse 26 says, how is, how is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you have a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for what? Come on, say it like you mean it. Edification. Let everything be done for edification. This is important because even back then, Paul was letting people know some of you are coming together and you are not 
edifying one another. This was the early church. So now, with as many churches that they, there are now, we see that this is more and more prevalent of a message. It says, if anyone speaks in the tongue, let there be two or, or let there be two or at the most three, each in turn. Somebody say turn. And let one interpretate. But if there is no interpreter, let them keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. Once again, that's why we prophesy. So people can learn and not only that, be encouraged. Even when we go to church and some, sometimes we may be in a situation where we need to hear from God and God will send a prophet among us and he'll prophesy and tell you some things that you may have known about yourself and you just thought it wasn't going to happen anytime soon. And they're saying, hey, it's coming soon. It's coming soon. Or they'll reveal something that you, you didn't know about yourself that God wants to show you. And it gets you encouraged. Amen? It'll get you encouraged. When we were at the women's uh, thing, uh, women's conference that Precious preached at, uh, a lady came up to me and she was like, hey, well, she asked me about our church and our ministry. And um, I was like, yeah, we're a smaller church in Seattle. And then she was like, increase. Right? And I was like, oh, wow, okay. Praise the Lord. You know what I'm saying? And another pastor, she said the same thing at the beginning of the year, increase. Now, what that does to me, that gets me encouraged and fired up and says, hey, we just got to keep on going because the increase is on the way. That encourages us. Prophecy is very important for us to operate in. And this doesn't mean that everybody that prophesies is a prophet. It doesn't say every let two or three, it says, let the prophet speak, but also it just says, prophesy, for you can all prophesy one by one. Once again, that all may learn and all may be encouraged. Verse 32 says, and the spirit, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not an author, somebody say, God is not an author of confusion. God doesn't write books on how to confuse people. He didn't write the Bible to confuse people. Now, unfortunately, when you don't read the Bible and you don't have the spirit of God in you, the Bible is a book of confusion. The Bible talks about it is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is life. We understand that this is exactly what we need. This is what we hang on. But for the people that, that, that are not understanding what the word of God is because they don't have the spirit dwelling in them, they think it's foolishness. So when you read your Bible, I remember taking a Bible to college one day, and you should have seen the kids, man, and I call them kids, but they were like same age as me, probably older. But I put the Bible on my desk, and these people was like, whoa, what's that? They just walked around it. Oh my goodness, look, it's a, is that, a, is that for real? And I was like, yeah, it's the Bible. I read the Bible. They're like, wow. They were shocked. And part of the reason why they were shocked is because they don't believe in the power of it. Since they don't believe in the power of it, they don't read it. And it was to the point where they don't read it, they don't ever see it. 
But we have to bring it, amen? amen? What verse am I at? Verse 33. For God is not an author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Let your woman keep, and, and I'm, um, I think I'm going to stop right there. Because, um, well, actually, I'm going to read this anyway. It says, let the women keep silent in churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. And if you want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in church. Let me stop right here for a second. Now, you have to understand, because some people will take this scripture and they will use it for their benefit because they don't want the women in the church saying nothing. Now, this is not what this is saying. Because if you actually go look in the scriptures, there's plenty of times where the women are prophesying, where the women are doing things in the church. Jesus... Every time Jesus talked to a woman, his disciples were like, why are you talking to that woman? And I was talking to the men in the Bible study. It's because God did not look at men and women like we looked at men and women. He looks at spirits. Why? Because God is looking, Jesus is looking through the eyes of heaven. It says when you get to heaven, there is only, there's not going to be male or female. There's going to be spirits. We are all spirits. God uses spirits. God doesn't look at the natural. Now, God made us naturally men or women. Don't get that twisted. Don't be like, I'm a spirit so I can switch it up. That's not, what this is. That's not what we're talking about. But when it comes to being used by God, we have to be careful that we don't take a scripture like this that was meant for that time because the women of that time were not respected like they were today. Right? Women back in the Bible days were considered property. You marry, I'm going to marry you, what am I getting? Like, it wasn't just I'm marrying you and like, yeah, okay. It was like, what are you about to give me? We're about to get married. You better have some cows that go along with that, some sheep, some goats, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm trying to make a profit. That's, that's really what women were looked at back in the Bible days. So when you look at how Jesus spoke about to these, to these women, he changed, he blew the disciples away. They were like, yo. We don't do that. Even the Samaritan woman, um, she was like, you're not supposed to talk to me. Why are you talking to me? But Jesus didn't stop talking to her and be like, oh, yeah, you're right. Jesus talked to her, prophesied. We're talking about prophecy, right? Prophesied to her. She got encouraged. She learned. She went and told her whole town that she didn't have to go tell her husband because it talked about she had a husband, well, she had a couple of husbands, and her situation was a little bit difficult because she had like five or six husbands. Uh, the guy that she was with wasn't her husband, but she tried to act like, you, you know how it gets. It was getting a little bit, it was like a soap opera, right? But she didn't go back and tell dude. She went and told the people in her town. Amen? But I will tell you something that, that we can learn from this scripture is that, once again, God is a God of order. It's also not a, a, um, a time in church to be trying to figure out who's the head of something, right? Now, let, let's say 
if you guys are, if we're in church and we're going to ask people questions, maybe if you and your wife have some questions, you can ask them together. Maybe that, that's what you can do. But you do not want to be trying to figure out who's the leader in church because God has made men leaders in the church. Now, see, this is another thing that when you look at this scripture, it doesn't talk about what about if somebody ain't, if they're not married? They don't have nobody, they don't have nobody to ask. Scripture stuff too, because it said go home and ask your husband. So we look at we look at this scripture and we always have to find out what it meant back then, why did it mean this back then, and what does it mean to us today? Amen. Then it says, uh, verse 36, or did the word of God come originally from you, or was it you only that it reached? If anyone thinks of himself to be a prophet or a spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandment of the Lord. But if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. But, once again, it says, let all things be done in decency or de be done decently and in order. If we don't get anything about what we've read today is make sure everything is done in order. Church is not the place to, for chaos. It is not the place to one-up somebody else, right? And we see this happening, though, right? Oh, pastor, I did this, and pastor, I did that. Who gets the, who's the, who's the person that gets to go? We, God doesn't care about that. You're pleasing man at that moment. Now, that doesn't mean work hard, don't work hard, but we need to make sure we are not here to please man, but we are here to please God. Amen? Next time I get up to preach, which is this the second Saturday or the, this is second Saturday, right? So the third Saturday I get up and preach. I'm going to finish this up. Uh, I, well, actually, I don't know if I'm going to finish it up, but we're going to continue in who does God want the church to be? Amen. I'm going to talk about living examples and us being his messengers. And also we're going to finish on love and why the church gathering is necessary. Let's go ahead and stand up and pray. Dear God, help us to be the church that you have called us to be. Not just this ministry, but ministries all around the world, oh God. We pray to God that we would be able to lead ministers, men and women, children alike into the kingdom of God. Dear God, allow us to operate in the gifts that you've given us. And dear God, allow us to seek out the gifts that you have given us, dear God, so that we can be an effective and powerful ministry, dear God, that you've called us to be. We appreciate you listening to today's message. If you would like to hear this message and others in its entirety, visit our website, newcreationwa.org. We have services on Saturday nights, and we would love for you to come out and join us at the Emerald City Bible Fellowship Building located at 7728 Rainer Avenue South, Seattle, Washington, 98118. For questions or comments, call us at 425-686-8197. You can be made new in Christ. God bless.